Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. There will be no place for them on Ukrainian land. There's no evacuation going on at, at the embassy. But these MAGA Republicans won't stop there. They want a national ban. That kind of uh, divisive rhetoric on both sides that's really bad for America. Russia should ensure safe, unfettered access for these independent inspectors. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Uh, This just breaking, former Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev has uh, died at age 80, 91. Uh, Numerous um, Russian news agencies cited the Central Clinical Hospital. Gorbachev's office said earlier that he was undergoing treatment at the hospital. Gorbachev was the leader of the Soviet Union from 1985 until its collapse in December of 1991. As general secretary and president, he helped forge weapons reduction deals with the U.S. and Western powers and removed the Iron Curtain. Of course, he and uh, Ronald Reagan were in power at the same time. Mikhail Gorbachev died today at age 91. I always wonder, you know, with he and Reagan kind of open up the channel channels of communication, you always wonder if he um if he had a change of heart of about the way things were should be done or he just the fact that the Soviet Union was broke, you know, because they yeah, pretty well much both, yeah. I mean they pretty much tried to keep up with the United States uh from a military standpoint and yeah, if you're watching on uh, Facebook or Cable 7, there's a picture of uh, Gorbachev, uh, a recent picture uh, of Mikhail Gorbachev. Uh, yeah, I, he uh, was, to be honest with you, you haven't heard anything about him for so long. I, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really aware that he was even alive still, but uh, passed away today. The latest 538 poll on the U.S. Senate race between... Ted Budd and Cherry Beasley is a dead heat, 42% to 42%. The, uh, that's, that's about as tight as you can get. The, it's interesting because looking back over the last few polls, it has sort of bounced back and forth. Um, looking at this, if you go back to uh, June 17th to the 19th, Beasley was up was down. Uh, Ted Budd was up 45% to 40%. Ted Budd was up at the end of June, 48% to 45%. Uh, just a week ago, well, no, I'm sorry, July 22nd to July 24th, the um, John Bolton Super PAC did a, a poll, had uh, Beasley up 43% to 40%. And then this latest poll um, from the John Locke Foundation, August 13th through the 15th, has uh, has it tied forty two percent to forty two percent? You know, the thing that's encouraging to me, you know, that uh, I have trouble with this word is is trafficler traf trafficker trafficker group poll. You know, buds up three percent, and they normally, I mean, when you look at you know post election results, they're they're normally spot on on their analysis, and so that that's a good sign. All the other ones, you know, uh, Beasley's up. Um, and the other two, and Bud's up and and well, the, out of the four polls, Bud is up in two. They're tied in one, and Beasley's up in one. And it, it probably it's a fairly, if it, you know, 
when you think about how many millions of people in the state of North Carolina will vote in this election, when they do these poll samples, it doesn't say right here how many people they sample. But generally speaking, you know, a, a large poll is 1,000 people. Most of these polls are probably four or 500. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, you know, I'm not a, I've never run a political campaign, but uh, I'm just, I, I question sometime what his campaign's doing because it just, you don't seem like you hear much from out of him. And the fact that he's going against someone, uh, I mean, Cherry B, I mean, she she was held a statewide office. And when you don't hold a statewide office, I mean, you really got to get your name out there. And, I mean, for the last several months, I still continue to talk to people. Well, I, I've never heard of Ted Budd. I mean, and they don't follow things like, but most voters don't follow things like us. And I just think. Just, I, I don't think you're on with me the day I interviewed Mike, uh, Michael Watley the uh, North Carolina no, chair. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I asked him about, you know, where's Ted Budd? He said that Bud would be coming out pretty heavy with advertising after Labor Day. So, uh, and, you know, I listen, Cherry Beasley is getting millions and millions of dollars from out of state. Mm-hmm. Ted Budd, I think, is going to get some money from out of state, but he is really dependent more on the money that he is raising. But uh, we, we should see something. You know, and I think there, in all honesty, I, I think there's diminishing returns on how you spend your, your ad dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a while, it just becomes noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like these little yard signs that people stick in there, uh, you know, all along the roadways and every street corner. And after a <laughs> while, you, d- you just don't see them. They just look like litter. And- yeah, yeah. Yard signs turn me off. Uh, and road signs, you know, little, the little road signs you see, see in all right. the medians and all. And right. I'm just like. It no, looks we, like litter. Yeah, we've got enough litter in eastern yeah. North Carolina. We don't need <laughs> to litter you. it with a bunch of politicians' posters. But, uh, I actually think a yard sign in somebody's yard that says, I endorse this person or I'm mm-hmm. going to vote for this person, mm-hmm. it's, got, it's got some meaning. But, yeah, when you just slop them along the side of the road, not so much. Yeah, see, I put it on my, I put it on my vacant land away from where I live. <laughs> Cause, you know, so you don't get egged? I, you know, I just don't want to get into it with somebody because, you know, my my property is kind of well, my well, you know well this haven. isn't that a sad commentary yeah that this day and age people hesitate and and listen i had a car keyed because i had a bumper sticker on this is a, a few years back but uh yeah you know it's it's uh, i don't do bumper stickers either well i don't anymore for that reason i just don't want to shoot anybody i, mean, I really don't <laughs> you know if they keyed your car i mean retaliate I uh, yeah i mean i wouldn't kill i wouldn't shoot them over uh key in my car but you know if i say something to him and then it just kind of breaks out yeah i'm not gonna get hurt (laughs) speaking of partisanship um carolina journal has an interesting story out today a recent study by the college fix which is a conservative site found that unc chapel hill professors and this isn't a surprise but we are almost number one in one category unfortunately it's a category we wish we weren't number one in Uh, The College Fix found that UNC Chapel Hill professors are 16 times more likely to be registered Democrat than Republican. The study looked at 14 humanities. They listed them all out. Um, They cross-referenced all the departments with the names of the professors. They looked at the State Board of Elections. According to the College Fix, they analyzed 405 professors in all these different uh, areas of study. And it's a pretty complete list of, of studies across the board. Among these professors, they found that 204 were registered Democrats, 13 Republicans, um, a smaller number, 67, were registered unaffiliated. 
Another 121 were marked as unknown because of the inability to definitely match the middle names from the resumes and the voter rolls. The College Fix says this was the third study they performed in this kind of major university in recent weeks. The Chapel Hill data showing a 16 to 1 ratio was far more slanted than in other universities. Ohio State University having a 7 to 1 ratio. University of Nebraska at Omaha having a 5 to 1 ratio. Jenna Robinson, president of the Raleigh-based James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal, told the Carolina Journal, these numbers really aren't surprising. And she's right, they're not. Most universities leave heavenly to the left. But Robinson added that, quote, given the one-sided politics among faculties, important for the UNC Chapel Hill folks to protect and promote the viewpoint of diversity in other ways, including bringing speakers to campus and supporting student groups, UNC recent campus climate surveys and resolutions to protect free speech will also contribute to a culture where no viewpoints are silenced, even when they are in the minority. I, listen, I hope that's true, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence mm. that it will be true. No, it's you know I, I've got I've got friends that are have a still have kids in college, and uh, you know thirty five plus years ago when I was in school, you heard a little bit, but now. <clears throat> They don't. They don't hide. I don't care if they're Democrats, Republicans, or whatever. But I, I just don't. In the classroom, they should just keep it to themselves. You know, encourage dialogue among people that uh, maybe disagree on topics. But from the kids I talk to, they are afraid to speak up if they're conservatives. Well, and listen, the kids are smart enough that they sit down and believe it or not. I mean, I, I can remember taking a couple of courses, and it's been decades since I was in college. But I can remember taking courses and thinking through okay, what does this professor want to hear? <laughs> and you write your, you slant your paper based on what you think is going to get the best grade. Not on, you know, do you believe this? No, I don't, but okay. I'm not any dummy. I know what the professor wants. And so I'm going to write the professor's, you know, something pleasing that I'll get a good grade on. But, you know, what's curious about this is so often when liberals, and we've had stories just in recent days, I had a couple stories yesterday about this, when you have liberals that try to justify a quota in terms of students or in terms of professors, they will come back and they will say something along the lines of, well, you know, we really need to make sure that our faculty represents what we look like as a community or what we look like as a country or what we look like as a state. Well, Governor Cooper just said a few weeks ago that there are state employees and, and colleges and, and, and schools should look like. Yeah, that's what he go. said that. Well, then it looks to me like we need to uh, hire a lot of Republicans at UNC <laughs> Chapel Hill and fire a lot of the Democrats. Yeah, and recently, uh, it, it well, last week it was a um, – a state public university here in North Carolina, someone showed me their college application that their child had to fill out. And the question it talked about, you needed to write an essay on, I can tell you. It was totally woke. It was totally woke. And if you put down the wrong thing, I bet with the right person looking at it, I bet you wouldn't oh, yeah. get accepted. Oh, yeah. Um, it you know it asked about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, I bet if you put the topic down like um, – you know, like um, Marty Cotis talks about, hey, you should hire somebody based on your abil- abilities and personal achievements. If you said something like that, uh, I bet you would get tossed in another oh, yeah. stack. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 561-8255. Is it Thomas? 
Yes, it is. Good afternoon. Hey, Thomas. How are you, sir? Hey, Thomas. Yes, I, I'll, I'll be quick, but I had to comment on the deal about UNC. Uh, if, several years back, uh, just to show you the, the reality of the climate on that campus, I attended there in the 70s, but uh, the bottom line is uh, there was a Senator Tancredo, I believe, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It was trying to – was. I forget the state he was from, Colorado or whatever. I think but, it was Nevada, uh, wasn't it? One of those states. Anyway, he was there to address, give a speech concerning uh, immigration policy, I believe, in Bingham Hall, of all places. Uh, and the reality of that, you can Google that on YouTube and see that students uh, marched through the building, broke some windows, and he was not even allowed to speak. And, uh, and this was – what year was this? This – it was uh, – either 09 or 10 or whatever it's been okay. going on a long time okay of course the hostile climate but that's a good example just one example and the irony of that is he was not a lot you know this under this guise of, of diversity uh diverse thought is, as long as you agree with the liberal point because a few hundred feet uh north of that on the uh, sidewalk at franklin street there is a plaque there that uh, denotes an action taken by some UNC students that had, we had a speaker ban law back in the what, late 50s or whatever, early 60s, whatever it was, and it uh, forbid communist speakers on campus or whatever. Long story short, those students did an admirable thing. They were, they were uh, supportive of free ex- uh, freedom of expression, and they eventually got the, that law overturned. And this, the, the irony hits me every time I walk past there and look at that plaque. Right. That denotes the actions of those students that sought to to uh, offer expression, regardless of of you know of what you were expressing. And uh, just a few hundred yards south of that is the is the uh, classroom building, Bingham Hall, where they marched through and didn't even allow the the gentleman to make his speech. Yeah, diversity in a liberal's estimation is any speech that agrees with my liberal woke theology, <clears throat> and that's it. I mean, that's if, right. yes, sir. <laughs> if you're a conservative, to, you're not diverse. Had, yes, sir. I had to bring that out because I have, if you're there sometime, look at that plaque, and, 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 and the, the, the irony you, is so thick you can cut it with a knife right there if you know the history of, of that. But uh, I just want to make that point. Enjoy your show. I uh, appreciate it, Thomas. Great point. And, and, you know, the whole village of Chapel Hill is, oh, my goodness. You know, I, my, my grandparents were there. My mom grew up there, and uh, we actually inherited property. We still have a rental property up there. And, oh, my goodness, that has changed so much over the last 60 years. Uh, just in, in some ways good. I mean, there were some things that were around 60 years ago. But just in terms of the uh, the liberalism that has just taken over completely mm-hmm. in that community is uh, is mind-boggling. Yeah, Senator Tom Tancredo from Colorado. I, you know, I forgot that he ran for president in 2008. As what? Uh, Republican. Oh, did he really? Yeah, okay. I forgot. I forgot that. Um, but now, now I now I see his now I see his photograph. I remember he was uh, he worked in the Reagan and Bush White House, as I recall. We got to take a time out. We come back. The North Carolina NAACP and we Willie Barber might be in some trouble. We'll tell you all about that when we get back. Shotgun with your five o'clock drive. Well, the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back. It is uh, National Beach Day, August the 30th, uh, which I guess a lot of people are 
heading down there uh, this weekend. Last hurrah. Uh, yeah, last hurrah. As summer is coming to a close. Uh, this is an interesting irony and a, a sad commentary. 28 years ago, 1994, civil rights legend Rosa Parks was mugged in her own home by some drunk who broke in, hit her, and stole 53 bucks. The guy blamed it on drugs. He was still in prison years later at the time of Rosa Parks' passing. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much where our uh, country seems to be going more and more. That was 28 years ago. Mm. Have you seen the recent crime statistics from the big cities all over the country? You know, everyone ought to get down on the knees and say, thank you, Lord, I live in eastern North Carolina where there's not this craziness. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Take a look at your weather forecast tonight. Variable clouds, a chance of a thunderstorm, low around 71. Tomorrow, a few clouds early, otherwise mostly sunny, a high near 90. Tomorrow night, clear skies, low of 64. Thursday, partly cloudy, a high around 90. And partly cloudy on Thursday night with a low of 67. National Beach Day, also National Toasted Marshmallow Day. It's a little warm for toasted marshmallows. Yeah, why would that be in August? Yeah. You, you would think that would Push be. Push that back to October Yeah, November. October, November or something. Yeah. Anyway s'mores yeah oh that's great great stuff uh weather and your s'mores report brought to you by the ironwood golf and country club whether you're looking to spend your summer what's left of it poolside courtside or greenside ironwood golf and country club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required and listen if you're headed to the beach which a lot of people are this weekend and or anytime this fall pack your clubs because ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the beaufort club in Beaufort, and Compass Point and, um, and Magnolia Greens, located down in Wilmington. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle at 252-752-4653. Join in the fun at Ironwood today. Say that again, uh, Clark. You're he, my... ju- he just had a good graphic up on it. Because you do that for, oh. for, our, t- <laughs> for our TV audience. Our, our, you don't, our listeners don't realize it, but our producer talks in our ears as we're doing the program, and he's got a little... For Ironwood Golf and Country Club. That's a pretty good graphic if you're yeah, watching online. It is a good online. graphic. <laughs> if you're watching online, a uh, little golf club coming at you. The uh, News and Observer and uh, some other media outlets have picked up on this. And the News and Observer, I, God bless them, they did their best to try to make the uh, folks at the North Carolina NAACP sound as uh, noble and good and right as they possibly could. If you read between the lines, it's not a good day for North Carolina's NAACP. It's not a good day for Wee Willie Barber and others who have been at the top of the um, North Carolina NAACP, including uh, the president for several years, um, Spearman. Uh, News and Observer reports in the last few years, the North Carolina NAACP has struggled with internal conflict, disciplinary action from its national organization, and financial turmoil that some say could hinder its operation. It's a state of affairs that many people closely involved with the organization refuse to discuss for the article in the News and Observer. It's unsettling to outsiders who view the 80-year-old organization as a leading force for expanding civil rights in this state. Today... Well, it didn't happen today, but it hit the news today. The IRS disclosed this month that it revoked the North Carolina NAACP's tax-exempt status. That happened actually back in May. Again, the news came out today. 
This after the organization failed to file tax returns for three consecutive years. Mm, what are they well, hiding? <laughs> well, hey, it worked for Al Sharpton. <laughs> yeah, chances are uh, you're either incompetent or you're doing something highly suspicious. Now, it might be both. The IRS also reports that it had revoked the tax-exempt status of many local NAACP branches across the state of North Carolina for the same reason. Those revocations occurred on the same day as the state conference, according to the IRS website. News that the organizations have lost some tax-exempt status and evidence of their financial troubles are emerging at a time when the state conference has previously registered voters, organized get-out-the-vote campaigns, and pushed back on any other perceived voter suppression. Losing that tax-exempt status means any income the state conference receives will be taxed, and the organization could be subject to fines for failing to file tax returns, according to Jack Cummings, a tax attorney in Raleigh. Potentially more serious in a meeting this February, about 30 state and national NAACP leaders, the North Carolina NAACP treasurer Gerald Givens, shared findings from an investigation he conducted into North Carolina's organization financial health history, his, quote, strictly confidential presentation obtained by the News and Observer, so it wasn't too confidential apparently, detailed eight years of very problematic payment patterns, including potential misappropriations of funds on multiple levels, more than a million, more than a million Dollars have been spent without proper authorizations, given said at the meeting. Much of the conflict gripping, uh, gripping the NAACP from North Carolina involves criticism, including financial mismanagement allegations directed at the late Reverend Anthony Spearman, who led the NAACP of North Carolina from 2017 to 2021. Spearman died in his home in Greensboro. What's interesting about this, I remember when he passed away, and this article makes it sound like uh and i i'm just i'm just saying i'm speculating here but this article insinuates that perhaps it was suicide yeah it said it found some weapons at yes the, at the scene in the article they found some weapons i mean when you say that they, they hadn't been released how they died but weapons were found at the scene mm. which okay suicide or was he murdered Following his death, the News and Observer had learned that the National NAACP had revoked Spearman's membership in the organization back in February. Officials with the national organization accused Spearman of failing to transfer, transfer years' worth of records and financial documents to his successor, the current president, Deborah Maxwell. She's from Wilmington. Maxwell did not respond to, for comment. Spearman was stripped of his operational responsibilities and instructed to submit bank statements, monthly financials, payroll information, and other data from as far back as 2013. Well, he took over in 2016. Guess who was in charge prior to that? Wee Willie Barber. It is Wee Willie Mm. Barber. Mm. They better check the. As a former auditor, I'm just saying they need to check the meals and entertainment expenses during that time. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, he... Uh, we Willie Barber. We Willie Barber didn't get that way just by accident. What is under that robe? <laughs> Jeanette McCarthy uh, Wallace, general counsel for the national organization, also declined to comment for the article, saying NAACP officials cannot speak about internal issues. Spearman has defenders, 
His most uh, visible defender was Justice Coalition USA, which describes itself as a coalition of the NAACP members. But it, this this is not really that <coughs> significant because Spearman was one of the founders of this organization. So it's like, okay, so what? Um, so they're really looking at what was going on at the NAACP um, as far back as the early 2000s. William Barber led the NAACP from 2005 through 2016. So we, Willie Barber, now can we get him under a microscope? Not likely, but he's under the microscope, figuratively <laughs> speaking. What's the uh, Hubble? <laughs> Take something big as the Hubble. <laughs> I thought I was nasty. I'm pretty nice compared to you. Brown was the state conference religious affairs person under Spearman. Um, before that, under William Barber. Among the letters posted on the Alliance website is a December 2020 letter Spearman wrote to the National NAACP CEO accusing the organization of never adequately justifying why it took disciplinary action against the North Carolina Conference and not taking steps to resolve any perceived problems. The, the bottom line here is there is a big debate and discussion now well, again, Spearman has passed away. But the the real arguments that were going on were between the leadership of the North Carolina NAACP and the national NAACP. And in fact, the national NAACP came in and they said, you know what, uh, there there is, uh, we're going to take some punitive action on Spearman and the North Carolina NAACP. They picked two other state leaders from out of state, one was from New York, one was from Tennessee, and they told them that you were going to have the oversight of the North Carolina operation until we can figure out what's going on. When the national NAACP put the North Carolina conference under administratorship, that's what they called the punitive uh, task that they put them under, um, it appointed the woman, uh, two women, one from Tennessee, one from New York, um, they were being audited for the previous six years before Deborah Maxwell, who just took over. The, the previous six years were being audited. This would include Spearman's four years as president and the final two years of Barber's presidency. Barber, who established the high-profile Moral Monday campaign, rose to prominence while at the NAACP. He now leads Repairers of the Breach, a national organization he founded in 2015 that co-created the, you ready for this? Poor People's Campaign. What an irony. You got Willie Barber organizing <laughs> the Poor People's Campaign as he is being potentially investigated for malfeasance and misappropriation of funds during the same time. Can't make it up. You know, that, I, and again, he's, he's, you know, these are accusations. Those, uh, those form, those Nonprofit tax forms, forms 990s, public information. I was trying to find, I can't find the North Carolina ones. I see the national ones. Uh, 
with, well, if they haven't filed tax returns, they probably haven't filed what is appropriate. Yeah, for, I'm not. I'm not familiar with their structure. So apparently, the state organizations, the state NAACP, separate from the the national. If not, you know, their information would roll up into the national. But uh, just looking at the national one, there, we Willie Barbara was on their board. You know, I, I I thought I don't know who's on the North Carolina board. I'm trying to research that right quick, but. You know, I follow the board members. So yeah, they got a fiduciary responsibility to make sure their yeah, executive right. director. Yeah, is if going. you're if you're a board member and you're in an organization and you think the board is not being run with integrity, you need to get off that board. Yep. And you got a responsibility to uh, yeah, make sure it is. Otherwise, your family's going to be in the fire. Mm-hmm. Carolyn McDougal was second vice president of the North Carolina NAACP in 2019 when she wrote to national headquarters voicing concerns over the organization's financial state and whether the state chapter could even function. Quote, since 2014, that would have been under Barber, I have personally requested an audit to be performed at the North Carolina NAACP. This request has been denied and or ignored. Currently, we do not know the status of the North Carolina NAACP finances. Again, this is a letter in 2019. We do not know how much money we have, if any at all, Bank statements showed the organization's general fund had fallen below $0 more than once. According to the Treasurer's Confidential Report, in July of 2016, for example, the fund had a month-end deficit of over $1,600. Spearman's public persona didn't always focus on his organization's internal struggles as the national NAACP accelerated its ultimatums in 2021 he was leveraging his position as president to protest social injustice. You know, it's social injustice if you're uh, defrauding <laughs> the organization you work for. Yeah, it's I'd, called embezzlement. I'd like to see. I'd like to see that information, and it's surprising that uh, it's taken this. I mean, three years is a long time. It's surprising it's taken this long for that information to get out. So anyway, uh, Spearman turned around and decided he was going to sue the national NAACP, uh, Johnson, who was the president, CEO, and uh, before the lawsuit ever was uh, came to court, Spearman uh, died before the litigation process could uh, get going. Uh, this is not good news for a number of people. It's not good news for Willie Barber. It's obviously not good news for the North Carolina NAACP as a whole. I mean, it just taints the whole organization. And again, when the News and Observer, which is a very liberal organization, and uh, you know they didn't really point the finger at the NAACP. They really pointed the finger at primarily Spearman, but then secondarily pointed the finger to we Willie Barber. But uh, and among other people, you know, Cherry Beasley is uh, Sherry Beasley is, is this is not good for her campaign. I mean, this is this is when the NAACP would normally, you know, really be pushing to get out the vote. And uh, instead of that happening, they're going to be uh, get out the lawyers trying <laughs> to defend uh, their organization and trying to get the uh, IRS to reinstate their tax exempt status. Yeah. Who knows what will come up with the buffet buster? Willie Bobber. Well, I, I, I'm sure his first response is, you know, th- this is uh, this is a vile, vile attack on a very on me as a man of God. It was, you know, he'll he'll bring that into it, and then he'll also uh, be talking about how this is uh, this is an attack from uh, conservatives, Republicans, 
from uh, white nationalists, white supremacists. I mean, you, you know oh, everything you can hear is going to yeah. be said. Yeah, it'll be it'll if something comes of it, it, that's all you'll hear. It'll be an attack on them. Bingo! All right, stay with us. More news and views coming right up. Whatever it takes. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Uh, all this uh, talk of solar energy and wind ender, uh, energy. The uh, Daily Telegraph is reporting a wind turbine in Wales toppled over. It was apparently it was a brand new turbine, hmm. 300 foot tall. I mean, these things are huge. Yeah, they are. And they're noisy. 50-mile-an-hour gust caused it to over... <laughs> was that Joe Biden? Or... <laughs> he said they were annoyed. When he did that, I was thinking... <laughs> you know, that's the way they sound. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of them up around Elizabeth City. Oh, tons Elizabeth. of them. Yeah. And uh, those things are loud. But anyway, 50-mile-an-hour winds, which doesn't sound that windy to me. I mean, and these were 50-mile-an-hour mm. gusts. I don't know if there was... A... Anyway, something happened, apparently... Uh, the 300-foot structure came came a-tumbling down. But this is the second one. They had another one that did the same thing back in February. Well, they're made in China. I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> anyway. I mean, apparently the uh, manufacturer was a company, Nordex, and apparently they they said there was something uh, about one of the blades wasn't didn't function right. I, I, are the blades supposed to turn? I mean, I know they I know the, the all three blades turn at the same time, but do the blades themselves pivot or anything? I don't know. You know, we think that size, they're probably pretty flexible and there's some give. If not, you know, probably yeah. break. So anyway, um, some people complain, well, they're not producing enough energy because the wind doesn't blow fast enough. And when it does blow, out down they come. Maybe they should put uh, some in Washington, D.C. because there's a lot of wind that gets blown up there. <laughs> By the way, poor uh, CNN. You know, they have uh, they've jettisoned uh, a lot of their ultra-libs. And of course, um, what's his name? Uh, Chris Cuomo. He got uh, he got Brian, kicked off. Yeah, Brian Stelter. Yeah, George Costanza look alike. Well, apparently now the libs are irritated, and now the libs are boycotting CNN <laughs> because all their favorite libs are being kicked off. And you know now the head of CNN is basically just saying, "Hey, we want to just deliver the news without all the." liberal garbage that goes along with it why because we got to make some money and nobody is watching i mean they're getting trounced yeah i I can't imagine who would think that watching cnn and of course you know the libs want to say the same thing about fox but fox you know fox has some opinion shows and they have some news shows well and and fox has some listeners yeah viewers but cnn i mean there's every you know they what when 2000 15 or 16 rolled around as soon as donald trump announced he was running for president they just went all in on this is going to just be run down donald trump and that's all they've done yeah and that's and it's just ridiculous their numbers actually improved when they were running down donald trump i guess it was just more entertaining so i mean donald trump even helped cnn's numbers but now they don't have conservative viewers 
Well, and now the liberals are ticked at them. Well, you know, even the liberals, you know, during the riots of the George Floyd protests across the country, you know, when you have reporters standing there and say it's a mostly peaceful protest, oh, and yeah. you got buildings burning down behind yeah. you, yeah. Uh, I think you probably ought to get your news elsewhere. Yep. Charlie Kirk had a great meme on uh, social media. Is that the Turning Point? Yes. Yeah, Turning Point USA guy. He, he made the point, you know, with all this, and, and again, I think the, the, the loan forgiveness is going to end up in the courts and it's going to, you know, backfire on Biden, which maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he know, knew all along that it would backfire on him and he just wanted to be able to say, well, at least, I look, I promised it and I did it. But Charlie Kirk is talking about the fact that Harvard sits on a $54 billion hedge fund that they call an endowment that they pay zero taxes on. The same is true for Yale, but theirs is $31 billion. Stanford has one for $29 billion. Princeton has one for $26 billion. Gosh, I mean, these schools, so yes. That is so much money. These schools sit on these gold mines. Why aren't they the ones? If you want to bail people out, use your $46 billion. <laughs> what did you say on Harvard's? $54 billion. Uh, Harvard is $54 billion, Yale is $31, Stanford is $29, Princeton is $26. Just to give you some perspective, East Carolina is $300 million, a little over $300 million. Maybe, maybe states around a billion or so, a little over a billion. Maybe Chapel Hill's a couple billion, I think. Yeah. 50, but, how, so, I mean, just, just a minimum return. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, the way endowments work – you know, if I if I make an endowment to the university, you know, and particularly if I if it's a restricted endowment, one thing if it's an unrestricted endowment, if it's a restricted endowment, if I just say what to do with it, I mean, they have no choice but to spend it on what I say, spend right. it on. Yeah. But those, but those places like Harvard and places like that, they have some pretty sizable unrestricted endowments. I'm sure. Bill Clinton is back in the news. He was up at the U.S. Tennis Open in New York on Monday. And he was seen chatting it up with famous sex therapist Dr. Ruth. I, Dr. Ruth, I had I had no clue that she was still living. She has been around. What was she was ninety four? Uh, yeah, I did was, not have sexual relations with that woman. Now we're not talking about Dr. Ruth. <laughs> I mean, remember Bill Clinton talked about getting it on with a three thousand year old Egyptian mummy. Now, oh I my. he did. Now I don't think Doctor Ruth is that old, but now, she probably she, doesn't look a whole lot better than the mummy. When did she really hit the big time? Was it on Johnny Carson or Saturday Night Live? What was Doctor Ruth? Yeah, she had a talk show. Okay, she, she had a radio talk show. But she originally had a column, and then she went to a talk I, show. Right? I, 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 she was not my cup of tea. I, yeah. I never listened to her. To be honest with you, I couldn't listen to that whiny but, voice. But but she was so. I, and be honest with you, her line of uh, discussion on her uh, talk show didn't add to the moral fiber of the United States, I'll just say. Mm. And you were dumber by listening to it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John McEnroe and Chris Everett were doing commentary. The cameras came in on uh, the two, uh, the, the president and uh, Dr. Ruth. Uh, McEnroe said, who knows what they're talking about? They really seem to be involved. She's giving them advice, Everett said. She's giving them advice. Yep, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that, <laughs> Everett said. 
Yes, you might. Well, why is the president getting redder in the face? McEnroe replied. <laughs> so Clinton is 76. Westheimer, Dr. Ruth is 94. She hey, they're probably talking about how they keep their dentures in. Or, yes, she might have said, hey. You what are you using for your constipation? You right? think Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> you think Monica Lewinsky rocked your world. Why do you take a load of Dr. Ruth? She might have been given. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, radio show. Okay, she started on radio in 1980 when she was 52 years old. Wow. <laughs> Hey, we got to take another time out. Lots more to talk about. We'll try to get it a little bit more exciting than Dr. Ruth and Bill Clinton. <laughs> Stay with us. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Got to know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. I don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news source is news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Peter Ducey is making a name for himself, continues to make a name for himself. You wonder why people watch Fox News. One of the reasons is they've got people like Peter Ducey, who's a newscaster. But uh, he was pressing Jean-Pierre at a White House briefing yesterday on why does the White House allow illegals to walk across, just enter into the United States, and uh, also asked, you know, somebody unvaccinated comes over here like that uh, tennis pro, Mm -hmm. couldn't play in the U.S. Open because he wasn't vaccinated, and yet you allow these people to walk across the border. And uh, Jean-Pierre said, that's not how it works. He said, yeah, it is. No, 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 no. Nobody's, well, nobody's walking over the border. Some of them swim. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievable with all the video that we have of these people coming across, and the White House sits there like we're a bunch of dummies. <laughs> Tell them lie long enough yeah. that people believe it. Hey, we got to run. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.